Good morning, 26 West. Good to be with you guys. My name is Stephen. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, as you just saw, Jose is in Romania. We're going to pray for him in just a minute. I just got back from our Alpha retreat on the coast, and just there's some really encouraging things happening in our midst. We'll pray for all that in a minute. But today, we are in week three of our new series on the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're in uh, this, this first section of the series, as you see on the screen, is called Holy Spirit Above. Holy Spirit Above. Because the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. He's not junior varsity God. He is God. Uh, And you all know the difference, right? There's there's a gap from junior varsity to varsity, right? Like he is God. He is majestic. He is awesome. He is glorious. He is amazing. He is true because he is God. And we want to begin our series on the Spirit by elevating our view of the Spirit. Really this first section, this first movement, where we want to elevate our view of the Spirit. And with that, last week, Jose talked about the Trinity, uh, God as Father, Son, and Spirit. If you, if you missed that, go back and listen. We're talking about three distinct persons and yet one. It's, it's complex. It's beautiful. And that's the nature of God. There's a complexity and a beauty to the person of God. And, and my old seminary professor, some of you might be thinking like, I don't feel like I've figured this out yet. <laughs> and this is what my old seminary professor once told me. He said, you don't figure out the Trinity, so take a deep breath. Like if you're like, am I the only one here that doesn't figure this all out? Like, no, you, you, you don't figure out the Trinity. You know the triune God. You don't figure out the Trinity. You know the triune God. See, there's a mystery around the Trinity. And I'd actually argue that this is good news. I'd actually argue this is good news because I don't want to worship a God that I can fully comprehend. Like I can barely comprehend. I was just getting some work done on my car. I can barely comprehend my, my headlights, like much less understanding the fullness and complexity of God or even some of the analogies that I got when I was growing up that God's like an egg and these things. I don't want to worship a God that can be understand if he's like an egg. Like I want to worship a God that's more complex than an egg. Like there's, a, there's an invitation here to, to embrace the mystery and to, to follow a God that we can't fully figure out. Um, it's a lot though. This Trinity, the Spirit, the complexity of God, it's a lot. So I just want to invite us, church, to, to buckle up. I want to invite us to, to embrace this. We're going to honor God with our minds this series, and we're going to be thinking deeply. But to do this, uh, we're going to need the Spirit to renew our minds and to open our hearts. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray uh, because we don't want to just hear a guy talk up here. We want to invite the Spirit to help direct us, direct us to understand Him. So join me in prayer this morning. Jesus, thank you that you have sent your Spirit. And Lord, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear. Would you renew our minds? Would you open our hearts to hear your word? Lord, I even just pray as, as I don't think I've ever seen Oregonians uh, being so grateful for rain, uh, Lord, but it brings life. And just I pray that even this morning you would, you would be that refreshing uh, rain as you are uh, God. You are the God of the living water. And just I pray that you would refresh in this space. Um, Lord, I pray for Jose as he is in Romania right now and proclaiming your good news. Would you open hearts and minds there? Pray for those that are right now on the Alpha Retreat that you would be opening hearts and minds there. Pray that you, Jesus, would be big. Pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd be working in people's lives, transforming people uh, for your glory, uh, for their good, and for our joy that we get to just celebrate in this good news. And so, Lord, would you open my mouth right now? Would you give me the words to speak? I come here and I say, I surrender to you and your direction this morning. We give this time to you. And all God's people said, amen. So this morning, church, I got a, I got a lighthearted question for us as we kick this thing off. So my question is, what is the most overlooked and underrated holiday? Most overlooked, underrated holiday. Now, like for me, if I was going to say, I would argue Thanksgiving. I would argue Thanksgiving. Here's the reason why. Like, uh, uh, Christmas is great. 
Christmas is great, but it's properly rated. Like, everyone understands what's going on with Christmas here, right? Like, but here's the deal with Christmas. It's great, but Christmas, you got to stop it. You can't have a quarter of the year. Like, you just can't. You can't. I walked into Costco September 1st, and you would have thought it was the 12 days of Christmas in there. It was like, what is going on here? Like, we've just ignored. We just go from 4th of July to Christmas. I mean, it's just like, boom. And then also on Thanksgiving, I mean, we can't even get through the meal. We got to do lunch on Thanksgiving, so we got to get to shopping because Christmas is coming. And some of you guys are sitting here being like, this sounds blasphemous, Stephen. How dare you say this uh, about Christmas? Isn't all of life all for Jesus? And I'm going to say, yes, but all of life is not all for Christmas decor. Like, let's go here. Like, so here's the deal. Uh, you might be sitting here and you're not convinced. You're wrong. Uh, that's okay. Uh, but, but Thanksgiving is clearly overlooked, clearly underrated. Thanks for agreeing. Uh, I love Thanksgiving. Some of it, so my birthday falls about every seven years on Thanksgiving. Uh, my 16th and 21st birthday fell on Thanksgiving, which is, uh, you can cheer that, but it actually was very disappointing for me. Because it's like, oh yeah, it's your birthday, here's some turkey for you. Uh, but I actually love Thanksgiving. Absolutely love it. It's one of my favorite holidays. And one of my favorite Thanksgivings was in 2014. My wife and I, we were living in uh, Tucson, Arizona. We were driving out to Albuquerque, and it was just an amazing experience. We got to visit some family out there. Uh, we actually got to experience fall. It wasn't just a desert wasteland and heatscape in Arizona. It was actually like leaves were turning color, and there was grass, and it was beautiful. Uh, another thing about that Thanksgiving was uh, the Seahawks absolutely beat the tar out of the 49ers, and I just experienced the kingdom of God upon me as I was watching this. It was beautiful. It was amazing. Uh, and it was that evening, just the Seahawks are, are, are imaging the power of the most high. It was, it was wonderful. And, and we're starting to get to that point in the evening where you're starting to smell the food because we actually eat Thanksgiving dinner at dinner time because we're not crazy. Um, and so some of you guys are like, we're doing Thanksgiving at two o'clock. It's like, why? Uh, <laughs> this is dinner time. So uh, that smell is coming on. We're getting off the rails here, Stephen. Uh, we got that smell coming on. It's just so good. My brother-in-law cooks amazing food. And that, that also reminds me, like, some of y'all don't like Thanksgiving food. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like, my brother was telling me one time, he was like, you know, Thanksgiving food's overrated. And I'm like, dude, you're overrated. Like, what are you talking about? Like, Thanksgiving's like, well, why don't we eat it all the time if it's so good? It's like, because I don't want to look like a beluga whale. Like, it's amazing. If we could eat it all the time, we would. There are consequences. So anyways, we're, we're getting ready and we're handing out kind of the taste of the turkey before the feast begins and your mouth is watering. Some of you right now, you can smell it, you can picture it. It's coming in about a month, right? And uh, it's about this same time this holiday weekend, there's there's a movie trailer that came out in fall of 2014. And the movie was uh, Star Wars, The Force Awakens. And I remember seeing that for the first time. And don't act like you didn't see it. Like, don't act like you're too cool for Star Wars. Like, you all were there. It's only the highest grossing movie in American history. So you were there. I was there. We all were there. It was amazing. Like, remember that, like, the wonder, the hype. I had, my childhood was bad Star Wars movies, like the bad ones with guys like Jar Jar Binks. It was bad. Like, it was bad. And so we see this trailer. It's amazing. The hype, the expectation, the reveals, like seeing the Millennium Falcon and Han Solo. It was amazing, right? Like it was an all-time great holiday weekend. Again, some of you guys think you're too cool, but you were there and you loved it and you were nerding out with me. And I would actually argue that this holiday weekend, like this, this, this is a picture, this picture of foretastes of feasts to come, this image that I'm, I'm remembering here of this great weekend. I would argue that foretaste of feasts to come and movie trailers bursting with expectation is a picture of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. I'd actually argue that this foretaste of feasts to come and movie trailers bursting with expectation for a film is a picture of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. And that's the theme that we're looking at today. We're looking at the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Because see, Old Testament believers, they had a smell of the meal. 
They had a foretaste of the meal. But New Testament believers, we have the feast. Old Testament believers had a movie trailer. But New Testament believers have the film. And so what we see in the Old Testament is a a taste. It's a preview of what's to come for us today. And so what are we doing here? Like, what's the point of this message? The point is what we're doing in this morning is we're looking at the Holy Spirit's work in the Old Testament so that we can better understand who he is, so we can better know who the Spirit is, and so we can understand what he is doing today. Like, that's going to be an overarching theme that we look at this morning. We're going to look at the Spirit's work in the Old Testament so we might know who he is and so we can understand how he is at work still today. Because the Holy Spirit is the same God, I mean, Father, Son, and Spirit, from Genesis to Revelation, from creation to restoration. He's the same God who never changes. But what they saw of old in part, we see more clearly now, and we will one day see in full. So that's where we're going. We've got a lot of ground to cover. Uh, I only have the entire Old Testament to cover, so thank you, Jose, for that. Uh, <laughs> Buckle up, get ready to think, get ready to open your Bibles. We're looking at a lot of scripture here, and I'll do my best to keep this from being a four and a half uh, Sunday special message for us. So uh, from creation to the coming of Christ, you can open your Bibles to the very first pages. Uh, The question is, where do we see the Holy Spirit working in the Old Testament? What does he do in the Old Testament? If you got notes, you can start writing this down. Number one, the Spirit creates. Read with me Genesis 1, verses 1 and 2. First pages of the Bible. And if you don't have one, it'll be up on the screen. If you don't own a Bible, at the Get Connected table, we have a gift for you for that. So Genesis 1, verses uh, 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. See, from the very first words of Scripture, from the very first words, we see the Spirit active in creation. And in the original language, the picture is not that there's just nothing there. Actually, the picture is this churning dark waters, this chaotic disorder. But from this place, the the Spirit is hovering, about to give order. The Spirit is hovering, about to give order. Picture the beginning of an orchestra. Vadim, help me out here with this with this sound. Picture the beginning of an orchestra. If you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. Musicians are tuning their instruments, right? You hear the sound. Like, right, the, the, the sounds, they're colliding. There's this expectation of about to begin. You see this, this hum filling the auditorium, right? This hum is filling. As sounds are colliding, it's, it's about to begin. And then all of a sudden, the director raises his arms. And there's silence, right? Silence. Right before Boom, the sound, right? And the orchestra begins and this wall of beauty. And I would actually say that that picture, that powerful hum, that tuning sound of the colliding sounds is actually the picture of Genesis 1. That deep breath before the beauty and then the let there be light is the bang of the orchestra beginning. But that tuning sound is this this image of the spirit hovering over the waters in Genesis 1. The spirit is active in creation. Some more verses, Psalm 104, verse 30 says this, all creatures look to you. When you send your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. Job 33 verse four, the spirit of God has made me. The breath of the almighty gives me life. The triune God, father, son, and spirit are all together active in creation. This is not like, the Holy Spirit is not like the member of the group project that didn't do any work and gets credit for it, right? Like, I don't know about you, but I hated group projects uh, in like high school and college. Anybody else hate group projects? It's because you were actually doing the work. 
It was, you were actually, some of you were like, I, I love group projects. It's like, because you were the one that I was carrying your booty onto the promised land. Like, you're doing nothing here. And what's, what's not happening here is Jesus saying, would you stop hovering spirit and start helping? Like, they're all working together in creation. The spirit creates. Psalm echoes Genesis that the spirit is active in creating life. Job echoes Genesis that the spirit gives us life. For God breathes into Adam. And remember, this, the word for spirit, ruach, is breath. And so the spirit gives him life. The spirit creates. And the thing is, he has always been creating and giving life. And these passages that the Job, Genesis, and Psalm passages are like a movie trailer to a film that we get to see. It's the foretaste of a meal that we get to eat. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But there is a progression to his work. There's a progression to his revelation. There's a progression to his plan. And we see in the Old Testament works of creation pointing to something amazing. It's the Spirit giving new life, creating new life, eternal life in Jesus. See, all of this in the Old Testament, Genesis, Job, Psalms, points to John 3, where Jesus says, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born again, born of the Spirit. See, being born again, new life, eternal life in Jesus from the Spirit. This is our movie. This is our meal that the Old Testament just got a preview of and a taste of. We tracking? That image, like a preview, a foretaste, a film, a meal. So the Spirit creates. But the question is, what do we do about this morning? Because what we're not doing this morning is just, all right, I'm going to get some information to correct the, get the right answer on the theological quiz. Like, what do we actually do with this? Because if not, we're just doing a lecture and you're getting some information. But like, what do we actually do with this? How do we apply this? How do we live this? How does this change us? And so I'll say, like, our application for this, the Spirit creates, what do we do about that? First, if you have not put your faith in Jesus and surrendered to the Spirit and invited Him to create new life in you, if you haven't do that, that's your, that's your step. We invite the Spirit to create new life in you today. That, that's the first response. But for those of us who have done this, our response is to worship. Our response is to praise. Our response is to live in light of this new life to live in light of this new way, to live in light of this new life we have. You have a new identity, brothers and sisters. You have a new identity in Christ, in the Spirit. The Spirit has created a new life in you. You are a new person. You are born again of the Spirit. So live into it. Live in light of it. Live like it. Not to earn it. You already have it. Not to achieve it. You already have it. Let us live like it. Let us live into it. Again, what we're doing this morning, big picture, is we're looking at the Spirit's work in the Old Testament so we can understand who He is and so that we can understand what He's doing today. So number one, we see in the Old Testament that Spirit, He creates. But number two, you can go to the next slide, the Spirit guides. The Spirit guides. Throughout the Old Testament, we see the Spirit guiding His people. If you're taking notes, write that down. Isaiah 63, we see reflecting back. Isaiah reflects back on Moses and says this, starting in verse 11. Then his people, God's people, recalled the days of old, the days of Moses and his people. Where is he who brought them through the sea with the shepherd of his flock? Where is he who set his Holy Spirit among them? Who sent his glorious arm of power to be at Moses' right hand? Who divided the waters before them to gain for himself everlasting renown? Who led them through the depths? Like a horse in open country, they did not stumble. Like cattle that go down in the plain, they were given rest by the Spirit of the Lord. We could have done a bunch of different, we could have done rest, we could have done anointing, we could have done a ton of, I'm picking out a few. This, could have, this literally could have been 17 hours long looking at all these. I'm going to spare us of that. 
what we see there, that last line. This is how you guided your people to make for yourself a glorious name. See, Isaiah is saying that the way God guides his people, directs his people, leads his people is through the Holy Spirit. I just want us to picture that, that chapter of the biblical story. Picture that moment in the biblical story, right? Like God is leading his people through the desert by a pillar of fire by night, a cloud by day, through the Red Sea, miraculous, the Exodus, right? And Isaiah narrates that this is how God guided his people. He set his spirit among them. The spirit guides. And the thing about spirit-led, God-led guiding and directing is that the people of God had to go at God's pace, not their own. They had to go towards his destination. They had to go as he leads. And the thing about God directing is we are not directing. The thing about, you know, God leading is we are not leading. The thing about God being in control is we are not in control. Let's be honest, that sounds pretty terrifying. (laughs) It sounds pretty terrifying. But I'd actually argue there's an invitation here. I would argue there's an invitation. And the invitation is this. Will we row the boat of our lives or will we sail? The question is, will we row the boat of our lives or will we sail? What do I mean? See, some of us were tired. You feel it this morning. You're sitting here, you're exhausted, you're tired, you're overwhelmed because you've been rowing for a long time. You've been rowing for a long time. We've been trying to live by our own effort, by our own energy, by our own leading, trying to be our own control, go at our own pace towards our own destination, and it isn't working. If we actually look into our lives, we can be honest and say, it's not working. We cannot row this sea. So my charge for us today is put down your oars and put up your sails. To put down the oars and pick up the sails. Because a life surrendered to and guided by the Spirit is a sailboat that follows the wind of the Spirit as He leads and as He directs. And it's actually in this loss of control. It's actually in this loss of control that we find our freedom and our life. (laughs) See, it's actually the Old Testament that invites us to a life of spirit-led dependence for direction. It's the Old Testament that leads us into this this posture and place of spirit-led dependence for direction and guiding through the deserts and seas. The question is, will we put down the oars and put up the sails and be dependent on the Spirit to guide us? Amen? We tracking? It's a hard word for me too. I, I wish, I, I, I regret that the Spirit uh, gave me this word because now I'm accountable to it, right? Like there's a sense here of like, man, I struggle with this too. I don't stand above any of you. This is hard. This is hard. But it's actually the place that we find our freedom in life is when we give up control and invite the Spirit to lead us. So on this theme of the Spirit guiding, David says in Psalm 143 verse 10, teach me to do your will. For you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. See, David is explicitly saying in this verse, he's connecting being led by the spirit with wise living. And if you read through the Old Testament, especially the book of Proverbs, that wisdom literature, it's actually that, that, that the way of blessing, the way of flourishing, the way of life is the way of wisdom. And David says the way of wisdom is being led by the spirit. See, some of us, 
we're rowing and we're tired because we're trying to use our own strength and it's not working. But for some of us, we're rowing trying to use our own intellect, trying to use our own wisdom, trying to use our own gut instincts, right? But the Bible warns us that this actually is folly and not wisdom. See, a consistent theme in the Old Testament is is a warning that we have from God's people. And the warning is that they did whatever they thought was right in their own eyes. Remember a message on Judges I gave a few weeks ago? This everyone did what was right in their own eyes. It just led to their destruction. They're, They're relying on their own wisdom. The Old Testament is full of the people of God just relying on their own wisdom, ceasing to rely on God's directions and taking their life into their own hands, relying on the gut instincts. But it led time and time and time and time again to their ruin. So let us heed these Old Testament warnings so we don't follow them, so we don't have to learn the same lesson over and over again. But instead, may God's good spirit guide us to, as David says, level ground. We even see David's life as an example, right? There are times in his life where he did not follow the guiding of the spirit and it led to his ruin. We see David in Bathsheba where he goes and he ends up abusing and murdering and and just absolutely destroying people's lives as he was taking life into his own hands, doing what he thought was right in his own eyes instead of following the way of the Spirit. Then we see moments of incredible just victory and and life and blessing as as he defeats Goliath and many other stories. But we even see in somebody like David, we can't assume anything, but this posture of step by step, day by day, being led by the Spirit. This has got to be honest. I wasn't necessarily planning on saying this, but like we're all about like two decisions away from ruining our life. Like, and I don't say that like tongue in cheek. Like, like we, every single one of us could ruin our life like today. <laughs> and this idea of like, let us be dependent day by day on the Spirit's leading because he actually leads us into green pastures, into life eternal. Whereas the way that just kind of seems right to us often leads to our ruin. And I also want us to be honest in kind of another direction as as we're having this conversation about the Spirit, as we're talking about the Spirit leading and guiding, the the images that we get are often like some mystical experience. I even know for some of us that we talked about it in our community group. Like uh, when we said, hey, we're doing a series on the Spirit. Some of us are like, oh, like what's going to happen? Like are things about to get like really weird? Are they going to be lighting incense and candles in the back? And they're going to be doing like weird voices and like are things about to get real wacky? Like... You know, like, some of us were like sitting on eggshells these last couple of weeks, but like, what's about to happen? Like, are there snake charmers somewhere in the back? Like, what's, what's going on here? Like, some of us, it's just like, I don't know what's going to happen. Because we have this, like, actually, like, I think a really warped picture of what it means to be, like, led and guided by the Spirit. Often, like, the, the image that we were given is, like, some very mystical experience, but actually, the Old Testament images are much more practical than we probably picture. Exodus 31 uh, go, to the, go to the next slide there, Exodus 31, which is talking about the building of the taber- tabernacle, which is the mobile temple of God. Uh, it says this, it's an interesting picture when we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. When we talk about being led by the Spirit, the Spirit guiding. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to do what? to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. And we see crafts. I got a preschooler. Don't think of preschool. Think craftsmen, all right? Like he's talking about cutting and setting stones to work in wood, to engage in all these types of arts and creativity and craftsmanship. And one of the first mentions of the Spirit filling anyone in the Bible is here. And it's artists. It's craftsmen for building the tabernacle. The work of the Spirit, the guiding, the wisdom, the direction of the Spirit is not merely some mystical thing. 
but he's leading and guiding in the everyday stuff of life to do excellent God-honoring work. And I believe that God wants to fill you with his spirit, wants to guide you with his spirit to do God-honoring work in your everyday stuff of life. Right? Like these, these Old Testament the examples are a foretaste of a meal that we get to eat. You don't have to be working on a tabernacle to experience God's guiding and direction. Praise God, right? Like the Spirit wants to guide and direct you in your Excel spreadsheets. I know you're working on them, Intel. Like He wants to guide and direct you in your Excel spreadsheets. He wants to guide and direct you in what job opportunity you should take. He wants to guide and direct you in your lesson planning for your classroom, where he's leading you to live. The Spirit wants to guide and empower you for his glory in your everyday stuff of life. I just want to ask, have, have you thought of the Holy Spirit's work in your life like this? Has this been the picture? Practical, everyday, day in and day out, the mundane stuff of life. I would say this is the Old Testament preview. This is the Old Testament foretaste. The foretaste in the Old Testament is that you had to be a priest like Moses to, to, to be led by the Spirit. You'd be a king like David or a prophet like Isaiah, which I guess if you're one of those people, like, great, that's a, that's a good thing for you. But if not, like, man, that's, that's tough. Like the meal now, so that's the foretaste, these kind of, this select amount of people. But the meal now is we all have access. You have access. I have access. You have access. You have access to the same spirit that, is, that led God's people through the desert. He is leading us today because we are sons and daughters of God. We have the spirit in us. I was like, you have access. That's amazing. Like, let us not grow so familiar with this that it loses its wow and wonder and amazing. The same spirit that led God's people through the wilderness lives in you. Like, that's amazing. That's amazing. And the question is, what do we do with this? What do we do with this? Well, we invite the Spirit to lead us and to guide us today in all of life. You're going to discuss this in your community groups this week, some of these questions of where do you need to surrender to the Spirit's leading? Where have you kept control and you need to open your hands? Where do you need to stop rowing and striving and put up your sails and start sailing? And as David himself said, lead me to level ground. Jesus himself says, build your house on the rock. And he himself is that rock. So would we build our life on Jesus? We look at the Spirit creating. We look at him guiding. But number three, we look at him empowering. And again, we're, we're looking at this big picture. We want to look at the Spirit's work in the Old Testament so we can understand who he is. It tells us something about the nature of the Spirit, that he's a God who creates and guides and empowers. It tells us something about who he is. So we can know him and we can understand what he's doing today. We tracking? You with me? You with me? All right. Thank you, Vitasitius. Uh, <laughs> Spirit empowers. Number three, another key reality of the Spirit's work in the Old Testament is Him empowering and changing lives. And here's kind of a question. I wouldn't have known this question if I would have been digging in. But if you had to guess, who would you say is the most, who would you argue, and, and maybe no, of, of who had the most experience of the, experiences of the Spirit in the Old Testament? You might be wondering, like, like who? Like, so you might think like Moses, Abraham, like David. The answer is Samson. Samson, I wouldn't have known that if I would have dug in. It's Samson. So we, we probably should look at Samson at least at some point here, right? Like Judges 14, verses 5 to 6, says this. Samson went down to Timnah together with his father and mother. As they approached the vineyards of Timnah, suddenly a young lion came roaring toward them. It's a bad day. <laughs> like The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young lion 
scapegoat. Like, first, first, wow. Yeah, yes, that is the appropriate response. Like, what? Like, this is wild. Like, the spirit empowers Samson to get in a UFC fight with a lion, and Samson's the one who walks away. Like, imagine you're walking in Forest Park, and all of a sudden a lion stumbles out on the trail. Like, that is going so bad for you. That is going so bad for me. Like, I don't care how much CrossFit you do. I don't care how much you go to the kickboxing gym. This is going so badly. Like, if we set up a cage match here in the middle of this auditorium and we get, it's you versus the lion. I am putting money on the lion a hundred out of a hundred times. Like, I, and if it's me, double down on it because I'm not making it. Like, like, this is going so bad for us. So bad for us. And it, what was wild is as I'm writing this message, I'm taking a break and I'm looking at ESPN and I see this story. It's not of a lion, but a bear. And there was this, this article in ESPN, there was this wrestling team in Wyoming, like that they were out hiking and a bear came upon the team and starts attacking these, these athletes, right? And like, first of all, this is terrifying, right? Like, and I, I'm telling the story because nobody died. It's not going to take some tragic turn here. Uh, they, they all survived, so I feel like I can tell the story. But like, they, they fight off this bear. It takes like, like four guys, like fighting off this bear. They're all getting bitten. It's like crazy, right? And they're like, whereas, you know, the, 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 the first response might be like, all right, how do you fight off a bear? It's like, I just got to be faster than this guy. Like, right? Like, that's how this is going. These guys don't do that. They actually have courage. They're not cowards. They fight off this bear that keeps attacking them, and they protect one another. It's amazing. Like, it's just an amazing story. But the first thing that I thought of when I read this was like, no, thank you. And then the second thing I thought of is like, this is exactly why I do not go camping. Like, this is exactly why that. Like, I'm not a camper. Like, I am not, I'm not into this. Some of you guys, you're out there in your tents and your sleeping bags. And at that point, as you're all snuggled up in there, you're basically a bear burrito at that point. And I just want to tell you, you are playing with fire. Like, you are absolutely, and you might be sitting here and be like, Stephen, like, I got a trailer. I'm good. I want to tell you. Wisdom is calling, and it's saying that is an illusion of safety. Your plexiglass is not keeping out the grizzly bear. Like, this is your warning. Uh, I'm good. The way of wisdom is calling. Do with it what you will. Bear burrito. Think about it. I feel like there's like a Jim Gaffigan skit about like something similar. So, uh, so smooth transition. Samson's ripping lions apart by the strength of the Lord. Which tells us something, again, like each of these tells us something about the nature of the Spirit. They're like, the spirit is so powerful that when he comes upon Samson, he can rip apart lions. Like this tells us the spirit is not weak, but powerful. And what we see over and over again in the Old Testament is the spirit giving men and women strength to win battles, to defeat enemies, and to follow God with a power that they don't possess in and of themselves. We actually see the spirit giving them and empowering them to do things that they couldn't do in and of themselves, which is amazing. We have another key scene in the Old Testament that talks about the Spirit's empowering and transforming, and it's Ezekiel's vision from the Spirit of the Valley of Dry Bones. We're going to look at uh, chapter 37, verses 1 to 14. I'm going to ask us to do something here. Um, If you want to read along with me, you can, but this is a longer section. I'm just going to invite us to, if if it's helpful for you to close your eyes and just try to picture this, because the Spirit through Ezekiel paints a vivid picture. And so I just want to invite us to try to picture that. If you need to, you can read along with me, or you can close your eyes and try to picture this, but Starting in verse 1, chapter 37, 1 to 14. The hand of the Lord was on me, Ezekiel, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. 
Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath or spirit enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. And then you will know that I am the Lord. And so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And then he, the Lord, said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. And so I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. And then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you, and you will live. So I invite us to take that in. It's one of the most powerful and beautiful scenes in the Old Testament. And God is painting a picture here. He is giving a movie preview of a film that we are living in, church. Ezekiel is giving us a movie trailer to a film that we're living in. He's given us a foretaste of a feast that we are eating today. See, God has taken people from death to life. He's giving resurrection power. His tra- transformation is coming. The image of the Valley of Dry Bones is an image of the gospel itself, church. See, when we baptize people, we're saying the old has passed away and the new has come. We're saying you're dead to sin. You are alive in Christ. I'm saying when I'm baptized, I was helpless. I'm hopeless. I am dead, dry bones. And Jesus interceded for me. He saved me and he called me and he rescued me and he resurrected me because he is alive. And that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me and gives life. He gives life to you. He gives life to us. And that is good news. This is our story. The, the, the good news is that Christ is alive and he gives you his spirit who makes you alive as well. That is our story. I will put my spirit in you and you will live. Amen? Amen. It's good news. See, Ezekiel, what he's doing here is he's cooking up a sweet appetizer. And we have the feast, church. He's cooking up a sweet appetizer, a sweet foretaste that we have the feast of. That's good news. It's good news. We don't come here to hear jokes about Thanksgiving. We come here to remember the true story of the world. We come here to remember what is real. We come here to be inspired and encouraged about this story, about this true story of the world. You don't come here to be entertained by somebody on stage. You don't come here just to sing some songs. We come here to rehearse and remember and reflect and be transformed by the gospel. That's why we're here. That's why we're here, to remember this story. So what do we do with this today? We remember it. 
We remember the story. We remember this power. And we invite the Spirit to empower us. The application for every single one of us is invite the Spirit to empower you. Judges like Samson were empowered by the Spirit to defeat foes. But we're empowered by the Spirit to fight a greater foe than the Philistines, church. We are empowered by the Spirit to fight greater foes like Satan, sin, evil, darkness. The Spirit gave Samson the strength to break physical bounds, physical bonds, all that were enslaving and enchaining him. The Holy Spirit gives us strength to break all that binds us as well. The, the, The Spirit invites us. The Spirit empowers us to break the chains of addiction to break the binds of brokenness, to break the, the, the binds of, of addiction in our story, the patterns of just being stuck in sin, the same old cycle of idolatry and death and sin and sickness and loss and pain that we've been spiraling in for so long. The Spirit actually invites us to break free. And He doesn't just give us like a, hey, do better, try harder. He actually empowers you to do it. He actually empowers you to do it. And that image of Samson just breaking the cords is a foretaste and a preview of the bonds of brokenness that God wants to empower you to break free of today. And maybe today is your day of liberation. Because the Spirit is the God who empowers. I want to say that, church, we have real power to really change none of the things that have been done to you, none of the things that you have done, none of the things that you have been bound by has the final word over your life. Because we have the power of the Spirit within us. So the question is, where in your life do you need to invite and surrender to the Spirit's power? Again, we'll discuss this in our community groups this week. Where do you need to ask the Spirit to help you? I, I, I get the sense that there's some stuff that we've been holding on to for a long time. Some of us have been jumping at our old master's voice not realizing like we, we've got a, a jail cell that's been locked from the inside and the Spirit's inviting us to come out. The Spirit's inviting us to liberation for the, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. <laughs> I think about Galatians 5.1. It says, it is for freedom that Christ Jesus has set you free. And not the idea of freedom, real life freedom. And maybe your battle right here is a battle for hope. You don't even, you don't, like, that sounds great for everybody else, but what about me? I just feel like the Spirit of God is in, it prompted me now, like, he's talking about you. Yes, you, right now. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. So we're looking at the Holy Spirit's work in the Old Testament that we might know him. How good is God that he's an empowering God that wants to break us free of everything that would bind us and enslave us? Like, how good is God? Amen? Like, how good is God, right? amazing. Yes. Yes. He creates, he guides, he empowers. And number four, this is also good news, the Spirit speaks. The Spirit speaks. Man, a question for his church, who wrote the Bible? Who wrote the Bible? Was it, was it people or was it the Spirit? I'm going to pull a Jose and say yes. Like, he does that, right? Like, it's, it's good. It's a classic Jose. Uh, people or the Spirit? Yes, is the answer. Second Peter, verse 1, 19 to 21. Uh, Look with me, it's the only passage from the New Testament we're going to look at today, but it's appropriate as we reflect back on the old. We also have the prophetic message as something, something what? Completely, somewhat reliable, somewhat helpful, completely reliable. 
and you will do well to pay attention to it. And that's a word. That's, that's a whole other message for another day. <laughs> I'm going to use self-control right now not to go there. Uh, we have something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it as a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. I just love that image. Prophets being carried along with the Spirit. See, everything we read in this Bible is the Spirit speaking to a people for our good. It's the Spirit who guided the writers of Scripture to ensure that what we have is completely trustworthy and true. One of my heroes of the faith and just somebody who is just a, a giant theologically, his name's Herman Bavink, says this. Scripture itself claims that it proceeded from the Spirit of God in its origin, in its content, and in its power. Let me read that again. Bavink says, Scripture itself claims that it proceeded from the Spirit of God in its origin, in its content, and its power. In its origin, in its content, and in its power. We have the scriptures fundamentally because the Spirit of God spoke. It was the Spirit speaking through Peter. It was the Spirit speaking through Moses. It was the Spirit speaking through David. But they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And it also is in this famous passage of scripture that talks about you know, the, the Bible being inspired and God breathed. But it's also God breathing today. See, God is still using his words to powerfully witness to Christ and change lives in the past, to change lives in the present, and to change lives in the future. See, the Bible is a living word, and it's speaking to us. It's speaking to you. It's speaking to me. It's speaking to us today. It is a living word. It is a God breathing upon us still. And just a couple things as we reflect on this. First, we can trust the scriptures. Like we can trust the scripture. And everything as you walk out this door is telling you, you should not trust this word. It's undermining what Peter says that it is completely reliable. And we come here to remember what's true, to have our, our, our faith strengthened and encouraged and built up to believe that this book is completely reliable. We can trust it. We worship a God who speaks, who wants to communicate with us and who wants us to know him. And the God who wrote the scriptures, he also preserves the scriptures so we can know him accurately. So we can't love someone accurately if we don't know them accurately. God wants us to love him with all of our being, which means he wants us to know him accurately. See, Peter encourages us that it's completely reliable. Some of us, we want to hear God speak. We want to know God. Let's say, amen. We want a word from the Lord. Yes. The first step is open our Bibles. Like if we want to hear God speak, he has spoken and it's trustworthy and true. That's the first thing. The second thing is the Spirit has spoken, and He is still speaking, but He will never contradict His Word. I had a guy tell me once when I was doing college ministry, he told me uh, the Spirit told him it was okay to, you know, engage sexually with his girlfriend because he had a peace about it. And he was like, yeah, God told me that. And I was like, I think you got your lines crossed, buddy. Like, I told him, like, you heard that from somewhere. I have no doubt. But it ain't from the Spirit. It ain't from the Scriptures, buddy. Like, Listening to the Spirit, seeking words from the Lord are all things we should be doing, but always testing and discerning through the lens of Scripture and through the lens of community and wise counsel. Like we need to be listening and we need to be discerning. As we, we worship a God who speaks, the Spirit is speaking, but we need to be discerning based on what He has already spoken. 
We tracking? We need to grow listening. We also need to grow in discerning. And on this theme from Peter, we see Zechariah chapter 7, verse 12 says this, about the people of God. Again, we got to hear these warnings from the Old Testament. These people, they made their hearts as hard as flint and would not listen to the law or the words that the Lord Almighty had sent by His Spirit. So the words the Lord has sent through the law in the Old Testament, they're sent by the Spirit through the earlier prophets. So the Lord Almighty was very angry. See, again, this Old Testament has a warning that the people of God, they did not listen. They did not obey, and they did not heed the Spirit's words. I think about Jesus saying, why do you call me Lord and not do what I tell you? Like, he's not saying it as I gotcha. He's just saying, like, if you call me Lord, he'll do what I say. That's like part of what we get spurred on to do in this place is to remember what Jesus said and to be encouraged and spur one another on to actually obey and do it. Let's not follow the warning. Like, let's not just fall into the same mistakes. Let's actually heed it. We must listen and obey the word of God. In the Old Testament, they got a preview. They got a foretaste of the Scriptures. We get the entire meal of the Scriptures with the Old and the New Testament. Like, our application at the end of the day, like, what do we do again with this stuff? Again, I don't want this to be a a seminary lecture. I want this to be a a message that we actually live out and apply and, and can actually do something with. So what do we do? We get in the Word. We listen to the Spirit. We invite Him to speak to us as the God who is still speaking. And we need to grow our muscles of scripture engagement and of listening prayer. And those things are not at odds with one another. We grow scripture and prayer. It's like the inhaling and the exhaling of the believer's life. We inhale scripture, exhale prayer. This is just as natural as breathing is to our life. So what we've been looking at here, looking at the Old Testament, the Spirit at works, so we can understand who He is. We can understand what He's doing today. We've been looking at the Spirit creating you know, looking at him guiding, empowering, speaking, but we have one last point. And it's the reason that we have scripture. Like, because the Spirit spoke. But our last point is the scriptures lead to Jesus. So number five, the last thing we have here is the Spirit leads to Christ. So in closing, the entire Bible leads to Jesus. The entire Bible points to Jesus. All of history points to Jesus. The Old Testament looks ahead, and we today look back. Jesus fulfills what was spoken by the Spirit centuries prior through the Scriptures. All that was anticipated and hoped for in the Old Testament is fulfilled in Jesus. Because the Spirit, this point, the Spirit leads to Jesus. We see John the Baptist. They see John the Baptist filled with the Spirit from the womb. And he had this set-apart calling. He had this set-apart job to prepare the way for the Lord, to prepare the way for the Messiah, to prepare the way for Jesus. The Spirit leads John to help people see Jesus because the Spirit leads to Jesus. And I'll say Christmas is coming. I know I, I kind of dogged on it earlier, but I'm excited about it. Who doesn't love Christmas? My goodness. Like, let's just get through Thanksgiving first. Uh, fall exists. Uh, amen and amen. But Christmas, we do celebrate the good news of great joy for all the people that unto this day in the city of David, a baby has been born who is Christ the Lord, right? Like, this is good news. We'll get there. And we believe in one unified voice of the church global, the church historic, that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and born of the Virgin Mary. And all this tells us that the Holy Spirit leads to Jesus. What was once a shadow in the Old Testament is now clear. What was once a preview is now a film. What was once a foretaste is now a feast. 
The Spirit's power that was accessible to only a few in the old is now acceptable, accessible for all of us today. So let us respond, church. Let's praise God, the Spirit, for creating new life in us. Let's throw up our sails and invite the Spirit to guide us. Let's rely on the Spirit to empower us and to overcome all that would impede us. Let's listen to the Spirit who is speaking through His living Word today. And Spirit, we ask you, would you lead us to Jesus, who is the way, who is the truth, and who is the life. Amen? Amen. And so from here, we turn to the Spirit and Jesus, as Jose said in the video. Uh, You don't want to miss the weeks ahead. We're going to be looking at some of the questions you submitted. Great questions. Questions like, what does it mean to blaspheme the Holy Spirit? Uh, What does does this mean uh, as, as Jesus said this? So there's a lot to look forward to here as we turn the pages and look at the Spirit and Jesus. I'm excited for what's ahead. Um, Let's pray and let's respond together, church. Jesus, thank you again for sending your Spirit. Spirit of God, thank you. You are real. Thank you that you are here right now. Spirit, we thank you that you create new life in us. Spirit, we, we praise you that you have turned our heart from stone to flesh, that you've, you've put your spirit within us. And now we can follow you and love you and, and obey you. We thank you for guiding us into all truth, into life, into wisdom. We thank you that you care enough about us, that you guide us. We thank you that you empower us. Spirit, we praise you that you're stronger than our addictions. We praise you that you're stronger than our sin. We praise you that you're stronger than our idolatry. We praise you that you're stronger than our stories. We thank you that you're stronger than what's been done to us. We praise you that you're stronger than the stains of what we have done. Jesus, we thank you that your blood washes us clean. We thank you, Spirit, that you give a power that can break every chain. As the old gospel hymn goes, there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Lord, we ask you in this place to break chains. We thank you that you're a God who speaks and speaks with authority and power and speaks life over us. That we're no longer addict, we're free. We're no longer, we're no longer dirty, we're clean. We're no longer, we're no longer enemy, we're friend. We are loved, we are new, we are chosen. Lord, we thank you that you speak this over us. We thank you that we have a word that we can trust in that's completely reliable. And we thank you that you lead us to Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. So Spirit of God, we invite you in this place to speak. We invite you in this place to create life. We invite you in this place, Lord, to guide and empower. I can't command you to do anything. You are Lord. And so we invite you in this place, God, to have your way. Lord, we have hope in you. You are enough. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.